Hi, welcome to Sunshine and Serotonin, a new podcast dedicated to mental health and positivity. My name's Ria, and I'm here with... Buncee. And Richa. Today, we'll be discussing mental health stigma in South Asian cultures. Specifically, we'll be discussing suicidality and the reactions to it in South Asian cultures. Today, we will start today's conversation by discussing mental health in a broader sense and how it is perceived in South Asian cultures. In general, mental health is a taboo topic. If someone is struggling, the family tends to keep this a secret and is often ashamed of someone who is mentally ill. People are often afraid of what others will think and don't want to be judged by the rest of their community. So the stigma that mentally ill people in South Asian cultures face is external. And because of this external stigma, many people will internalize it and feel ashamed of their mental illnesses. This leads to people refusing to get help as they believe they will become outcasts in their own society. One of the few examples of mental health treatment in South Asian cultures is traditional healers. A book that discusses this is In Amma's Healing Room by Joyce Burkhalter Flukiger. Amma, a traditional healer, treats people that have psychosis or other mental illnesses by talking to them about their problems. On page 119 of this book, the anthropologist who studies Amma says, quote, the patient often leaves the healing table with new confidence that something can actually be done about the problem because of Amma's pronouncements that the healing will take place. Perhaps then, the patient returns to the relationship a different person in that context, which has the potential to change its dynamics, end quote. Because of this, I think Amma's treatments are more of a placebo. I think Amma's healing services are closer to therapy sessions. Although there is no sense of confidentiality because everyone in the hearing room can hear one's complaints. Amma makes her patient feel loved and heard and carefully listens to their complaints, no matter how outlandish they may seem. Sometimes her patients feel frustrated because they have tried to go to other types of doctors but have been rejected because there is no physical cause to their ailments. Other times her patients feel ashamed because they are dealing with a problem that is taboo in their culture. One example is incest. Amma does not judge most of the time and she will carefully think of a solution and spend many minutes with each patient crafting a prescription to cure their problem. In contrast, typical Western treatments are often frowned upon, whether it be psychopharmaceutical or simply going to therapy. Uh, Speaking from my own experience, my family was not initially comfortable with me going to counseling in middle school for my anxiety. Uh, In fact, my aunt once existed that my anxiety was not real and that it was simply puberty that was making me feel a certain way. My parents were also adamant about keeping me off of any forms of medication, partially because of my age, I was around the age of 13, but also because of the stigma associated with anything being wrong with me, especially something being wrong with my head. I think there's often an incorrect assumption that any mental health issue, no matter how big or small, automatically means you're crazy or ungrateful. After my family moved to Singapore and I continued to seek counseling, my parents finally realized that mental health should be more of a priority in our household, especially because we went to family therapy a few times. Since then, I've noticed a change in the way my parents interact with me and my brother when it comes to mental health in general. 
they're a lot more aware and they're very open to us discussing our struggles and they want to be there for us as much as possible. My grandparents, on the other hand, have a very different outlook. Recently, my grandmother's brother passed away due to substance abuse since he was an alcoholic. The reason for his initial hospitalization and eventual death was not and still is not discussed unless directly asked about it. And even then, they're very hesitant to bring it up, almost as if they're ashamed. And so his passing away is a very taboo subject in my family. Yeah, going, um, that's very understandable. And because of how taboo the topic is in South Asian cultures, it's very hard to talk about it. And so going off of what Ria said, um, being in the US, but in a very religious South Asian community, my family has taken like some time to understand that mental health illnesses do exist and they are something that can truly harm a person. And a lot of times as I like talk about how I'm feeling or what is going through my head or how my day was, they're, they're like quick to point out that we have everything like that we could ever ask for. And like, they're always willing to give us everything. But I think it's taken them time to understand that it isn't about what I have or don't have. And it's more about like what it is, is like internally like going through my head and what I'm like perceiving things as or situations as. And though I've never been to a therapist or been diagnosed with any mental illness, I do have times when I feel extremely overwhelmed or stressed to a point where I do start crying like at the table or while I'm doing my homework and just without much thought. And this has become a recurrence like through quarantine and, and has happened more often. And it's probably due to like the mental, um, our mental health during this time of constant like quarantining and isolation and we don't have much to do other than basically keep to ourselves and I think in the beginning when this started happening my parents were very reluctant to talk about it and were more like oh just reach us stop crying like there's nothing happening but I think the more and more this happens there they they have started asking why I'm crying like my mom will like let me continue crying and like let me let it all out and she's always like trying to listen and I think throughout the year, they've begun to understand that the reason I cry or have a breakdown is not is because of my internal thoughts and perceptions and not because of anything externally happening. Yeah, Rita, I've had like a similar experience to you, especially during quarantine. Like the other day, I just started crying and my mom was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I could not tell you why I'm crying. I just like, it feels like overwhelming at times. But I've also had like, experience with stigma in mental health in like South Asian communities. For example, when my cousin was diagnosed with depression and she started taking antidepressants, my family was very quiet about it. And my cousin actually only told us because we were going on like a trip and she wasn't going to be allowed to drink because of her medication. So that's why she told us like why she wasn't drinking. And that was the only reason why she actually told us about her depression and her medication. And when my mom like was telling me about it, she was like very quiet and I could see that it made her uncomfortable to talk about. But I had just finished taking AP Psych. So I was trying to explain to her that depression is essentially like a chemical imbalance in the brain. And that's why like the medication was gonna help my cousin. 
And, but my mom was like very like adamant that my cousin would like eventually get off the medication. So she was like always like pushing like her. So like, I don't think like my parents understand depression as much, but I found out later that they were like not as traditional as I thought they had seemed to be. So I like, I burned myself and I suffered from PTSD after my accident. And like my mom and my parents like realized that like it wasn't just going to go away with time. Like after like a couple months, my mom was like, I think you need to see a therapist. And so for me, this was like a big thing because I didn't think that my parents would be okay with me going to therapy and much less like I didn't think that they would encourage it. But like I did go and like they saw that it helped. And I think that I'm just glad that they admit that I do have PTSD instead of just like brushing it under the carpet because they like understand like what I went through and they didn't invalidate my experiences. So this like experience in general helped me be more open with them about my feelings. And I think it's like a great step forward, not just for my family, but just like South Asian families in general. I'm glad that each of us three have had improvements in our family's perception of mental health. And it's honestly something to be celebrated, but we should also highlight the history of mental health in South Asian cultures with the emphasis of suicidality. I think we should start by discussing sati. Would either one of you like to explain or elaborate? Yeah, Ria. So sati is a form of sacrifice where a widow sacrifices herself by sitting atop her deceased husband's funeral pyre. This, the, the term sati was originally interpreted as chaste woman. Sati appears in Hindi and Sanskrit texts where it is synonymous with a good wife. Though this used to be a spiritual practice and women were willingly sacrificing themselves, it has definitely also been used as a form of forced suicide. Many families will force the women to commit suicide to uphold the family honor. The 1987 Prevention of Sati Act makes it illegal to support, glorify, or attempt to commit sati. Support of sati, including coercing or forcing someone to commit sati, can be punished by a death sentence or life imprisonment, while glorifying sati is punishable with one to seven years in prison. In 1987, there was a famous case of Roop Kanwar, a Rajput woman who committed sati after the legislation was passed. It is unclear whether Roop committed sati on her own terms or if she was coerced into doing it. At the time of her death, she was 18 years old and had been married for eight months to her husband, Mal Singh Shekharwat, who had died a day earlier at age 24, and they had no children. In the region where Roop was from, Rajasthan, death is above honor, so sati is more acceptable. If a woman becomes widowed and doesn't commit sati, then it would be seen as dishonorable. Additionally, the practice of Johar, which is mass self-immolation by women in parts of India to avoid capture, enslavement, and rape by invaders when facing, defeat, uh, when facing defeat during war, was also fairly common. This practice was historically observed in northwest regions of India, for example, the state of Rajasthan, where Rup Kanwar was from, and it was also inspired by Sati, except it was only done during war when there was absolutely no chance of victory. This directly connects to what Bunsi was saying about how death is above honor, in that Rajput women 
or women from uh, northwest regions of India would rather die than dishonor or disrespect their family. Johar was banned in 1829, yet its legacy is still celebrated. Um, a media representative of Johar is in the Hindi film Padmavat, where Rani Padmavati, the protagonist, commits Johar at the end of the movie when her home city of Chitor is raided and attacked by Sultan Aluddin uh, Kilji. In South Asia, sati is the only acceptable form of suicide because it has to do with the family's honor. Suicide in general is a taboo topic. However, when it comes to spiritual and cultural rituals, they tend to accept it. If someone want, was to commit suicide in a non-sati related way, this would actually be dishonorable for the family. It is quite controversial that people would accept suicide in one way and not in, a, in another. The most recent and currently most talked about example of suicide in South Asia is Sushant Singh Rajput. Sushant was an up, up and coming actor in Hindi cinema, also known as Bollywood. He had acted in numerous films for which he received various, various support and awards. He was well known and well loved. On the 14th of June, 2020, his, his body was found hanging from the ceiling fan without any suicide note and the cause of death was declared on the 22nd of June to be via suffocation with no evidence of foul play. The Mumbai police, the local authorities in Rajput's city of residence stated that the actor showed symptoms of clinical depression, which is either dys dysthymia or major depressive disorder, according to the DSM-5, and he, was, he also was prescribed antidepressants. On the 25th of July, Sushant's father filed a first information report, also known as an FIR, which is a written document prepared by the police when they receive information about the commission of a cog cognizable offense. The FIR was filed against Riyad Chakraborty, Rajput's girlfriend, and six who is Rajput's girlfriend, and six others, including her family members, for abetment of suicide. He also accused them of wrongful restraint, wrongful confinement, theft, criminal breach of trust, and cheating. He also alleged that Chakraborty cheated on Rajput financially and mentally harassed him. In a petition filed at the Indian Supreme Court, Chakraborty claimed she had no role in the actor's death and was falsely implicated by Rajput's father. Ever since Sushant committed suicide, mental health has become an active topic of discussion in South Asian households. I think people were mostly shocked since it was so unexpected. I know for a fact my parents were really upset since Sushant was only 34 and had such a promising career. They also didn't really understand why he did it. That being said, they understand that it was a suicide, not murder, which is a common conspiracy theory amongst other South Asians. I personally believe that the Indian media is encouraging the idea that Sushant was murdered simply because murder is more socially acceptable than suicide. I also think that those who are involving Rhea Chakraborty, Sushant's girlfriend, are simply using her as a scape scapegoat because she is female. And this plays into the gender role hierarchy currently present in many South Asian mindsets. Ultimately, I think what we can take away from this is that South Asians are more comfortable accepting a murder conspiracy theory than accepting the fact that Sushant was depressed and committed suicide. I completely agree with you, Bunsi. 
But in order to get a different opinion, especially one from someone who actually lives in South Asia, India specifically, I conducted an interview with a good friend of mine named Tarish, and he lives in New Delhi. We discussed his opinions on the current discourse on mental health in South Asia. I gathered his consent to be in this podcast and to use his real name. So, Tarish, could you explain your opinion on the current mental health discourse in South Asia? Um, it's kind of hard to like, talk about South Asia in its entirety just because I think I can't really speak much of countries outside India in South Asia, but I think I can speak about India, or at least some parts of India, especially Delhi and most northern states in India. So, as of now, there's still like a large taboo concerning mental health in northern parts of India. People, a lot of times, uh, people equate uh, doctors like, and psychiatrists in general and psychologists in general with people who work in mental asylums and they can't really differentiate between people who have something like anxiety or or something like schizophrenia from I mean there's still like a religious element to it where people for example where if someone is suffering from something like schizophrenia, people in, in most parts of India think that person is quote unquote possessed. And so there's like a religious part to it and people equate a lot of these mental illnesses to religion and apart from that when if someone has something like anxiety or depression then people are generally asked to just shake that off. And they, I mean, they generally say that it's more because of, then it's more a result because of how they think rather than what they're suffering from. So even though it's still like largely taboo, but it's still getting traction and people are day by day recognizing that yes, mental health is an actual problem, just like a physical injury and which needs to be treated. I completely agree about what you're saying about it being a taboo. And as a non-residential Indian or an NRI, um, it also kind of sucks that that is the perception in immigrant families who've like left India and moved to different parts of the world. Um, That is a perception in certain parts of my family. And it is something that my my, like immediate family is working on. Uh, Next question. How do you feel about the current perception of suicide? Um, the current perception of suicide is like, it's kind of a tricky, it's kind of a tricky question just because a lot of people think that, and this is like, and this is not just in like the rural or the not so financially privileged areas of the country. This is like, this is like traveling even in the wealthy parts of India. And a lot of times people think that People who commit suicide are generally people who are like too afraid to face the world or they're generally covered. Um, and they don't really think of those people as someone who are like suffering from certain diseases, like just like any other physical illness or anything. But there's still like a lo- large taboo around um, suicide. And it's like people don't take mental health, mental illnesses seriously until a person reaches a point where they can harm themselves or someone around them. But I would say overall, like, suicide is something which is still considered to be the person or that person, like, people generally blame the very person who committed suicide or that person upbringing rather than 
something which can be i mean people fail to realize that there's all these mental illnesses are genetic and they don't really have anything to do with uh, environmental or the nurture factors well that's technically inaccurate a lot of mental illnesses are a combination of nature and nurture but you're definitely I mean, people like people come like mostly dissociate them the like the genetic part completely and they're just like oh it's either because of how you brought up or it's because you're not mentally strong oh so you're saying that people ignore the nature part and they completely blame it on yeah. sorry i misunderstood um do you think that you know sushant singh rajput's suicide has changed the perception of suicide and mental health in general hmm. i would say um so firstly like this is slightly off the topic but it's kind of debatable whether uh, the both sushant singh rajput case was a suicide or not but besides the point the um, most of the public still thinks that he did commit suicide although i'm not one of them i don't think he committed suicide however most of the public does think that he committed suicide and so again like people who have access like the wealthy parts of india are like somewhat more understanding of this understanding of suicide in general and people were sharing posts and everything else on instagram and they were trying to increase more awareness around mental health like mental illnesses and they were like sharing all these posts which are resources and numbers of helpline numbers which could probably help a person who is going through a really tough time in the life or who is just suffering from mental illness in general so i definitely feel that that did bring a lot of attention to these issues however like most things it was like it was more of a trend it lasted for two or three days and then people did go back to their regular life but for a short brief period of time there was like there were plenty of people who were actually vocally talking about it and were discussing it thank you for answering my questions and taking the time <laughs> to talk to me in conclusion depression and suicidality are heavily stigmatized in south asian cultures while there have definitely been improvements there is a lot of progress to be made it is of paramount importance that we continue to have these discussions on mental health in order to reduce the stigma surrounding mental health thank you so much for listening to our episode on suicidality and depression in south asian cultures We hope to see you next time on Sunshine and Serotonin. We hope you have a wonderful day filled with sunshine and serotonin. Bye. Bye. <laughs>